Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey, and if this is your first time tuning into the Activate Podcast, you can find past episodes on iTunes.com or SoundCloud.com by searching Jillian Pelkey Activate. Today I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to share a part of my story with you. And so let's pray and then we'll get right into it. Jesus, I thank you for your word because your word is life to us. The Bible is life to us. It's life-giving. It teaches us, corrects us, rebukes us, steers us in the right direction. It's a light unto our path. It, It gives us all that we need for life. So Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that through my story, your word would come alive. God, I pray that through the things that have happened to me, that people would come to trust you more, come to love you more, to know you more. Jesus, thank you for using my life to bring glory and honor to you. There's no one like you, God, and I trust you. God, as I share this story, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So I recorded my story this part of my story before. And I put it on YouTube and I put it on there for about um, a total of 15 minutes and then deleted it because I was so um, nervous about hearing my own voice recorded. I was nervous about all kinds of things. But recently the Lord was really clear um, in saying, now's the time to share your story. So here I go again. I'm going to share Uh, a part of my life, a part of my story with you. And I hope that it encourages you. I really hope that it gives you hope. It gives you a desire to seek God even more and confidence in the love that God has for you. So here's just a a piece of my life, a piece of my story. I'm going to start where uh, I was headed back to Bible college for my senior year. And I found out that I was pregnant. I was not married. I had been dating a guy for about three months, and we were in class prayers. We had um, by by classes, so it was our senior class that was gathered together, and one of our actual classes, like through the day, was class prayers. We would get together for a whole block of time and pray. And so we're in class prayers, and I'm a class officer. I was involved in so many things. I was involved with a local church. I was involved in a local outreach. I was involved in all kinds of stuff. So we go through class prayers, and at the end of the time of praying, I just stayed right in my seat. I didn't leave everybody else filed out. And my sister-in-law, who was my very best friend, was sitting on one side of me. And the president of the whole Bible college's wife was sitting on the other side of me. And they're like, Jill, what's wrong? We could tell something's up. And I turned to uh, the president's wife, who was our class advisor. I turned to her, and I didn't even realize these words were going to come out of my mouth. I said, I think I'm pregnant. And I shocked even myself because I wasn't really sure. And yet here I was confessing this. So later on that day, we found ourselves, my brother, my sister-in-law, my boyfriend, and the president's wife uh, were down at a clinic in Rhode Island. And the doctor called me in and everybody got up to come in with me. And he said, no, 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 Uh, she's got to come in by herself. So I went in, took a pregnancy test. He calls me into his office and he looks across the desk at me and says, "Uh, indeed, you are pregnant. And I immediately just start crying. And um, I was just overwhelmed. I don't think I was really even thinking. I was just overwhelmed. And so uh, he offered me abortion. He said, abortion will solve this. He said that the clump of cells inside my body was not worth giving up my dreams for. That it didn't matter. That I mattered more 
than this thing growing inside of me and that there was still time. And if I would just listen to him, that all this could go away. And I said, I don't want to have an abortion. I was dead set that I did not want that to that route. And so for the next chunk of time, it was about 45 minutes. He kept me in his office explaining and persuading and trying to tell me that abortion was the answer. And I kept replying with no, no, no. I wanted to have my child. And so he finally realized that he wasn't going to convince me and he let me leave. What a vulnerable moment for me. My whole world changing. And here was this loud doctor's voice that I was supposed to be able to trust this really loud doctor's voice saying, just abort this child. And I am thankful for the mother that I have, for the the people in my life that I have who had taught me uh, that life was from God. And so I had said, no, I go out. And just from the tear-stained face, everyone in the waiting room knew I was pregnant. So we go back to my brother's house, and he is so upset I mean, this is overwhelming for him, and he just goes for a run. That's how he dealt with it. That's how appropriately he dealt with it. He just took off running because he needed to just figure this out. So uh, my boyfriend and I were sitting there on the couch just like deer in headlights. Like, what does this mean? Where are we going? I mean, how are we? What? I don't even know. And just at that moment, my brother's pastor and his wife came to visit him. Now he's not home. He'd taken off running and they sat with us and it was a God ordained, God divinely appointed them to be there at that moment. And they walk in and they just started ministering to us. And they talked to us about King David and the Bible and how he had fallen into sin. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. And they just ministered and prayed over us and talked about the hope that we had in Jesus. And our future was, it was not over and all, all kinds of really good stuff. And so they left and then, uh, my boyfriend and I had to call our parents and let them know. And then we went and sat before the school board as they told us that we had a couple of days before we needed to leave campus and that we had indeed been asked to leave. And we understood that because we had signed a code of conduct when we came. We knew that, you know, this is, this was unacceptable uh, for this Bible college. We knew that. um, And they were gracious and kind and prayed over us, uh, but really we had to leave. And so uh, we, started gathering up our stuff and he was going home to his family and I was going home to mine and we were going to be about two and a half, three hours apart. So as I taking a break from packing my stuff, I went in my car and I drove and I found this park and parked my car and all my windows are up and I'm crying alligator sized tears and just crying out to God. And yet I couldn't even voice any, like I couldn't make any words come out, but I remember clearly saying out loud. I remember saying, God, if I ever needed you, I need you right now. And God answered me and he said, I'm going to use even this. That was not what I expected him to say. That's not what I wanted to hear. That's not what I would say to somebody who was pregnant, not married, and getting kicked out of Bible college. (laughs) Not what I would say. And that's why the word of God is true when it says, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are different than ours. They're better than ours. And um, so I said, God, no, that's the most embarrassing thing you could say to me right now. I'm humiliated as it is. And and you say you're going to use even this. I don't want anyone to know about this. How could you say you're going to use even this? God, no, this is my darkest moment. And God responded with, I want you to journal. 
I want you to keep track of the things and the emotions and things that you're feeling because I'm going to use even this. Well, uh, we packed our stuff up and uh, my boyfriend went to his family. I went to my family. He went to my pastor's office and um, told him that I was pregnant. And he responded with love. He uh, responded with grace. And he said, you know, we love you. I want to protect you. So you don't need to, you know, say anything. People will eventually find out that you're pregnant. It'll be obvious pretty soon that you're pregnant. Just go about things and just know that we love you and we're going to support you. And the Holy Spirit welled up within me, and I said, Pastor, if it's okay with you, I would like an opportunity to stand before the church on a Sunday morning during service and apologize, because all summer, I taught youth group, I taught children's church, I was involved in church things, I was living outwardly one way, and yet, inwardly, I was acting sinfully, and I want to apologize. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, I guess so, that's just what came out of me. (laughs) And so he agreed. And so the next Sunday, uh, after worship, the pastor called me up on stage, and I took the microphone. My parents stood on either side of me, and I looked out with the reddest face I probably could have ever had and said, I want to apologize, because this summer, it looked like I was living one way, but really, I was steeped in sin. And I taught kids' church and youth group and did things, and yet... um, I want to just let you all know that I'm pregnant and I'm sorry that I didn't live the way you thought I was living and I wasn't living for God completely. I'm sorry. And this amazing woman stood right up in her pew and she goes, we forgive you. (laughs) She yells, we forgive you. And I almost just collapsed in in just tears and fear and embarrassment and I just couldn't even... And so the pastor said, we're going to sing a couple more worship choruses. And Jill, if you go down to the front, we're going to have women gather around and pray for you. So I just, my eyes were as close, tight as could be. And I'm just, just couldn't even believe that I was living this life. And all these people gather around, all these women gather around to pray for me. Well, in the midst of my tears, I opened my eyes for a moment. And this was a life-defining moment for me. I opened my eyes and I looked down this row of godly women. And I, for the first time, it's like scales fall off my eyes, right? I see the woman praying for me and I realize that her son has a different last name than she has. And it hits me. That the next woman, uh, she has children by two different men. And then I realized, you know, and all of a sudden, all these people, I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, God, you're just showing me that it's going to be okay for me that you have used these women, even in their imperfections, even if the way that, you know, you would say it would be like, oh, it has to be this way. And look at their lives. I never even thought about that for these women. I just looked at them as godly women. And so the Lord even then began to restore my heart. So long story short, my boyfriend and I uh, began to talk, and I, I, I set my heart before the Lord. I said, God, I want to know that I'm supposed to marry this person. I don't want to marry him because I'm pregnant. I don't want five years, 10 years down the road to uh, have this bitterness or this feeling like that I married you because I was pregnant. And so I sought the Lord, and the Lord was super clear that I was supposed to marry John Pelkey. And so I called my boyfriend, because um, he had asked me probably a million times to that point if we could get married. And I said, I'm not going to say yes until I hear from the Lord. And so uh, he proposed in a beautiful proposal, and 
at seven months pregnant, uh, we got married. And uh, right before we got married, John began to look in the area that I lived in for an apartment. And he, you know, since we'd left college in those few months, he had gotten work at a warehouse and I was working at Old Navy. I was a super pregnant Old Navy uh, checkout girl where every customer would ask uh, how far along I was. And they all guessed if I was having a boy or a girl, it was just too much attention. <laughs> so, um, John starts looking for apartments and we have, you know, little to no money, um, and just whatever. So he's looking at apartments and all he can find are dingy, small, you know, uh, places. There was one place particularly that we like to joke about that they had a toilet in the kitchen. It was literally so small that there was no divider. There was literally a bathroom in the kitchen. It was a mess. Like the places that he was looking were there that we could afford were horrible. So finally we went together to this one appointment to look at an apartment and it was clean and beautiful. There was a master bedroom with a nursery right off the side. There was a breakfast nook and there was a living room with a chandelier. I'm thinking about it now. I I think it might be even bigger than the house I'm living in right now. And uh, so I just kind of laughed to myself and I tried to hurry things along. I didn't want to waste the people's time. I knew if we couldn't afford the toilet in the kitchen apartment, then surely we couldn't afford the chandelier breakfast nook apartment, right? So we hurried along, we left and um, we waited a few days and we were still looking and John got a phone call from the landlord of the apartment and he said, I don't really know much about you but I'm a Christian and I was praying. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, give them this apartment for whatever they can afford. So I want to offer you this apartment for whatever you can afford. And you just help with lawn maintenance and things like that. And uh, I just want to give you this. God gave my new husband and I a gift in our darkest hour when we least deserved it. He gave us a gift See, the Bible says uh, that there is no temptation that's not common to man. This is in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. We all are sinners. There's not one of us that are exempt from sin. And some of us, our sin looks different. Some of us, our sin looks deeper. Some of us, our sin looks uglier. But God says that there's no temptation that's not common, common to people. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not even one. We all fall in the same category. There's no diversity in this. We're all the same. We are all sinners saved by grace. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, John and I came to the place with God where we knew we were sinners. And we laid ourselves out before God. We apologized to people. We apologized to God. Our hearts were humbled. Our hearts, well, I was just, God, whatever you want to do with me, do. And I thought to myself, you know, I have, I have sinned. I am a sinner I am unworthy of the love of God. I am unworthy of the love of other people. I have, I have done just bad, clearly. And I thought to myself, you know, if, if I've messed up this bad, if I'm now kicked out of Bible college, I'm now unuseful to God, I will just sit in the back pew 
I'm not going to give up on God because I love God so much. I'm still going to go to church. And even if I can't do all the things that I dreamed of doing, even if I can't do anything else, God, I'm just going to be in your house. I'm just going to sit in the back pew, God, because I love you no matter what. And God began to woo us. He began to draw us. Even with this gift of the apartment, he was just saying, my love for you never fails. You're still my kids. I still love you. When I got kicked out of Bible college, God loved me. When I was pregnant before I got married, God loved me and he blessed me. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I serve. In Psalm 139, God talks about how he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. In Psalm 139, 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God's thoughts towards me were more than the grains of sand on the beach. His thoughts towards you are more than the grains of sand on the beach. All of your days were designed by God before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And he loves us so much with such a deep love that there is, the Bible says, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And in this situation, I learned the love of God. I learned that my God loved me. Even when I fall short of his glory, even when I make mistakes, even when I make big, huge mis- mistakes that affect so many people's lives. It affected my parents and, and John's parents and all of our families and our roommates at college and our college and our, our churches. And it affected so many people. And God said, even in this, I'm going to use this. Fast forward to May 6th, 2004. It was the same weekend of graduation for Bible college. All my friends were graduating and I was giving birth to a beautiful baby boy, Luke David Pelkey. And Luke means light and David after King David in the Bible and all the the ministering that uh, those two pastors had, had done with us those first few moments after we found out. What an amazing young man my son is. He's now 14 years old. And I don't think the doctor was right. I don't think that he was a clump of cells. (laughs) I think that God had all the days of his life ordained for him, even in that moment, in that clinic. I think that God has a purpose and a plan for his life. And God can take and use anything. And I don't think, I know that my dreams are not shattered because of him. I know that my life is not shattered because of him. I know that my life is better because of him. I know that my life's purpose was part to be his mother and to lead him to know Jesus. So we have Luke. Fast forward 10 years later, John and I are in full-time ministry and we uh, moved to Oswego, New York, 
where John took the position of associate pastor. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and so in the church, one of the ladies came up to me and she said, have you ever heard of a pregnancy care center? And I said, vaguely, I've heard of them before. She said, well, our executive director just stepped down. Would you consider filling out the application? So I began to do research on pregnancy care centers. And here's what pregnancy care centers or care nets do. They are organizations that are run mostly by volunteers. They are Christian organizations that offer free pregnancy tests and offer clothes, diapers, formula, aid, Bible classes, parenting classes, pregnancy classes, um, references, referrals for women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. They are there in that moment when they find out to see, you know, there are options, there's adoption, there's life-giving options for you. Pretty much the opposite of what, what experience I had in that doctor's clinic. And so the very thing that the enemy wanted to use to destroy me, God used for his glory. And I became the executive director of the Pregnancy Care Center of Oswego County, and I was able to share this very story across different churches. I was able to share this story at a pregnancy care center banquet. I was able to sit in rooms across from girls who were sitting in the very situation that years before I had sat in, and I said, you can do this. With God's help, it's possible. I was able to be a voice of hope. I was able to offer my story, to offer my life, to come alongside other people. God's word to me that day in the car rang true. I'm going to use even this. And so God used it very specifically for those years of my life. And today I still volunteer at a care net, a local care net. And I want to let you know that if you're pregnant or think you might be pregnant, go online, look up CareNet, and find a CareNet in your area. Go there, and the people that work there, the people that volunteer there will minister to you, will help you, will come alongside of you. I want to say if you've had an abortion, that there is no sin that's not common to man or woman. There is no sin that's not common to man. And God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is not the unpardonable sin. God's forgiveness is extended to you and he can take this very thing that you thought would destroy you and use it for his glory if you'll let him. God loves you. Having an abortion doesn't end your citizenship in heaven, but confess your sins and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God has forgiven my sin as far as the East is from the West and he remembers it no more. And he'll do the same for you. Karen offers classes called Forgiven and Set Free and Surrendering the Secret for people who have uh, faced abortion. God loves you. God wants to restore you. He doesn't want you to carry that weight or that burden of sin anymore. John and I have been open and honest and upfront with everyone and anyone about being pregnant before we were married and uh, being kicked out of Bible college because God is a God who redeems. God is a God who restores. God is a God who is faithful. And his word was true for me. It played out in real life for me. The thing that I thought would kill me God used to restore me. The thing that I thought would end me, really, God used as a tool to bring glory and honor to his name. And my story is Satan didn't win. 
My story is I fell into sin for a little while, but I confessed my sin and God used even the things that I thought he could never use to bring him glory. And that could be your story too. There is no end to your story. If you confess your sin, as long as you have breath in your lungs, there is a future and a hope for you. So whether you have fallen into sin, and that was a big thing for me when um, John and I were, before we were married and we were sleeping together, I felt so alone. I desperately wanted to stop. I desperately wanted someone to talk to. I couldn't find anyone to confess my sin to. I was so afraid that if I told someone, I would have to stop teaching kids church. If I told someone, I would be kicked out of youth group. If I told someone, you know, all this trouble would come. I was so afraid of judgment. I was so afraid of, uh, of people looking down on me. And I know that if I had confessed my sin to somebody, they would have helped me. And being kicked out of kids' church would have been different than being kicked out of Bible college, right? So today, if you're looking for someone to confess your sin to, let it be God. And if you need someone to be accountable to, find someone. It's better to confess your sin and get over it than to let it snowball and become more and more. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My story is a story of beauty from ashes, redemption, and love. So if you're in a place of sin, find someone to confess it to. Find, find a place with Jesus today to confess it to. Begin to walk in the other direction. And if you don't find yourself today in a place of sin, then I encourage you to reach out to someone who is in sin and to love them to come alongside them. You know, when I was uh, home from Bible college and before I got married, I was super pregnant and super alone. And there were people from the church that reached out, took me out to lunch, called me, looked out for me. I had the biggest baby shower to date that I have ever seen. That's grace. Did I deserve a baby shower? No. Did I deserve a big baby shower? No. Did I deserve a big baby shower full of church women? You know what their gifts were? They were giving glory to God. You know what their gifts were? They were reminding me that God loved me. You have that ability today to reach out to somebody who's hurting, someone who's walking through something, and to say, you know what? God loves you. I'm going to love you just like God loves you. There's no sin that's not common. There's no sin that's not common to man. There's no one exempt from it. So there's someone today in your life that's walking through sin. Can you love them like God loves them? Will you encourage them to confess their sin to the Lord and begin this healing process of redemption? I really thank you for listening to my story. I hope it encourages you. Again, reach out to your local care net if you're in a place of an unplanned pregnancy uh, or if you're in a place where you've had an abortion and you're looking uh, for healing and hope in your life. God has a plan for you. He ordained it before you were formed in your mother's womb. Your life is so valuable. God has designed you. You're his workmanship. You're his poem. You're his beautifully crafted person. And there is purpose for your life. We find our, our full awakeness, our full alive self, our full personality when we find ourselves in the shadow of Jesus. He makes us bold. He makes us strong. He makes us who we were meant to be. So find time to sit quietly before the Lord and, and let the Lord minister to you and speak words to you that you can't come up with. The things that God has for you, you can't just imagine yourself. You can't just formulate yourself. Just like when I sat in that car and God said, I'm going to use this. 
He's got a word for you. He has things he wants to speak into your life. And if you can't hear his voice, open the Bible because the Bible speaks truth and life. You know, Jesus says that he is living water. That we don't have to be thirsty. We can drink of that living water. He says he is the bread of life. He is our nourishment. He is our sustenance. Substance. He is everything that we need. So today, don't stay far away from the Lord. Run to him. Run to him. Look to the Lord and live. Look to the Lord and live. Let's pray. And if you have any questions or any concerns or anything that you're, you're mulling over in your mind that you want to talk about, my email is listed at the bottom of the podcast. I would be happy to talk with anybody uh, facing a similar issue. God is for you. God's love for you is so deep that it cannot be measured. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you for transforming my life by the power of your love. God, when I deserved it the least, you loved me. When I was all alone, you gave me gifts. God, you drew me to yourself. And God, I know that that plan for my life is the plan for every human on the planet. God, you love each person so deeply. And God, I pray that you would draw the one that's far away to yourself today. God, I pray for those steeped in sin, that God, today would be a day where they would confess their sin, that they would leave it behind, and that God, you would begin to restore and repair their hearts to live for you. God, I thank you for the people that you have on mission for you already. God, I pray that their eyes would be opened with compassion to those around them that are hurting, that are walking through deep and dark seasons. God, I pray that we would reach out, that we wouldn't be happy in our comfortable little homes, but God, we would invite in the sinner. We would invite in the, the person who's traveling along a road of sorrow, that God, we would be your hands and feet of grace extended. Jesus, thank you for your ways because they're so much better than ours. They're so much more powerful than we could ever do on our own. And so, God, we rest in your grace. We thank you for the way, your ways and for your words. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.